0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to True Presence for Catholic Moms. I'm your host, Kelsey Pasquarell, and I'm here to help you design your days on purpose with the Lord. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how to juggle multiple kids while homeschooling. I don't know about you. We just started our school year. We've done a soft start, and I've got four kids from ages 10 on down to two, and we've done this for, I think, five years now we've been homeschooling. So I just want to let you in on some tips and tricks and strategies I've found for making this work with so many different age ranges. Hey there, Mama. This is True Presence, the podcast where Catholic moms like you and me learn to be embodied souls. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who you were meant to be and you will set the world on fire. In the midst of hurry, worry, and social media, we're doing a 180 and focusing on real presence, communion, connection, natural living, and bringing eternity into our hearts and homes. I'm your host, Kelsey, and I'm so glad you're here. So let's go ahead and dive right on in today. We're going to talk about how to juggle multiple kids while homeschooling. Because as you probably have experienced, they all have different needs, different levels of understanding, and sometimes it can just feel like it's impossible to get in a solid lesson, especially if you have a baby or a toddler underfoot, and making lots of background noise at the same time. So let's dive into a couple of the big picture strategies first, and then we'll get into some of the minutiae for just managing those details. And I want to start with just a moment for you moms who have all little kids right now. I want to tell you, first of all, that you are in one of the harder stages of homeschooling because if your kids aren't reading yet and if they don't have a lot of those basic habits in place yet, it really is just a little more, it's a little more hands-on than later on when they're able to do things more independently. But just know that and also know that In those early years, they are learning so much just by doing real life. So many of the school lessons that they internalize are going to come from just ordinary things that you guys do together, things like cooking together, like going on walks, like going to events. And they're learning important things. They're learning pre writing skills, they're learning pre reading skills just by you talking to them and reading excellent books to them. And so you can take the pressure off a lot on making school look like school at home when you have all little kids. I'm talking about like those days where you've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. A lot of us go through that stage and we are so stressed and worried about whether our kids are gonna fall behind. In some countries, they don't even start reading lessons until their uh, children are in second grade, seven years old. They focus on spoken language and those countries have extremely high literacy rates. So I want to throw that out there as just some reassurance that if you feel like your kid is falling behind and they're not even seven yet, you are probably still in fantastic shape. So take the stress off, take the pressure off, do life together, and just focus on quality reading. It's going to make such a big difference. So first things first. Let's talk about the different kinds of schoolwork that are going to be going on. First, There are lessons, and lessons are things that require your active involvement as a mom. Second, there is independent work. And then third is the kind of work where you need to be available for questions. And that's a little different than the independent work. Independent work is something where your kid really solidly knows what they're doing, they're just practicing. It could be things like memorizing their multiplication times tables or doing handwriting. They've got the idea and they're just doing this to build those muscles and build that memory. But then there might be independent work, like when they're working on a new math concept and they might need to be able to check in with you. So I think it's super helpful to take a look at the workload of each day and notice where you are needed for lessons and where you are needed to be available for questions and what your kids can just do completely without you because this is going to be something where you can rotate between all these things for each child. So here's the magic of this, is that you don't actually need to give lessons every single day to every single kid. What you can do is you can plan out alternating days for different children, or say, I give lessons on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and Tuesday and Thursday are independent work. And that way, what you can do is you can say, I'm available to these kids on this day and these kids on that day and otherwise i'm just here answering questions but it lets you have that one-on-one time with the kids who need it and it stops you from being spread thin or trying to do eight lessons for each kid every single day you have to remember that homeschool is not the same thing as school like a regular typical brick and mortar school where you're trying to hit all these subjects all in one day for every child that doesn't have to work like that your kids can learn, and in fact they do learn better when they're working through problems on their own a lot, when they are really taking that time and actually being allowed to struggle a little bit through it. That's when they start to truly internalize and understand the lessons they're learning, not so much when the information is just being given to them like in a lesson. It's In taking that time to struggle through the application of it is where the real learning occurs. So how do we make the independent work actually independent? That's a really good question. The first thing is to automate whatever you can automate. So there's some things that you don't need to have custom for each day. They can be very routine. For example, you could say that every day you have to do 20 minutes of independent reading or one page of your handwriting book, and you can just keep that consistent. If you keep it the same all the time, the expectations there, you're really only going to have a little bit of time at the beginning of each school year where you're explaining that process and the expectations. The other thing you can do, at least for the older kids, is have a really clear syllabus. So every week, you know, print out your weekly plan, the things that you expect them to get done. You can adjust it week by week if you need to, if you get ahead or behind or you just suddenly feel creative. But if you have that printed out and it's just easy and accessible, then you're going to find that your kids can literally wake up and knock out their schoolwork for the day if they feel so inclined to do that. And it sets it up to be so smooth for those days where they've got their independent work. And then the last thing is just to have a protocol for when they can come to you with questions. So if they get stuck on their work and they have a question they can't get past, they don't understand something. You don't want them interrupting the lessons you're giving to other kids, right? So you want to have an expectation in place that you work out ahead of time with them for what they'll do. You can say, okay, during the time between nine and 10 each day, I'm giving lessons. So you have to ask me questions after 10 o'clock. And you'll find that really cuts back on your frustration as you're trying to give lessons to other kids. There's going to be fewer interruptions and they do get the hang of this. You might find they're still trying to ask you questions at first, but after a little bit of time of just being firm and consistent, they do eventually get the hang of it. So the next thing you wanna do to make sure that you're able to give everyone the lessons they need and do that efficiently is to combine lessons as much as you can for multiple kids. And you'll find there are so many subjects that can be done for everybody at the same time. I found that science, history, and literature for example, are things that can be done across a wider span of ages. And all you have to do is do the lesson with everybody and then customize the follow-up work that they're expected to do according to their age. So for example, let's say your science lesson is on you know the, the carbon and nitrogen cycles and you are talking about composting as part of that. Then you can have your older kids write a few paragraphs or an essay, depending on what their academic level is, and have your younger kids draw a diagram. You can even have your preschoolers involved in this just by doing the hands-on stuff with you. Maybe as a family, you make a project of starting a compost pile just for some hands-on application of this lesson, and even the littlest ones can participate and be involved. So, so many lessons like that there are just a ton of things that you can combine. And as long as you're customizing the follow-up work to their level, not expecting the same thing, then you're minimizing the number of different things you're trying to teach everybody. This even has the advantage as they get older of when you're revisiting these core lessons over and over, it reinforces the knowledge. And you can have the older kids work a little bit with the younger kids because in teaching, That also reinforces what they've learned before. The material's familiar, they revisit it, and they internalize it better. Segregating children by age in school is a relatively recent phenomenon. There's a lot of benefit of the younger kids being able to look ahead and see what the older kids are working on and know what they will eventually be doing, and also for the older kids to be looking backward, seeing the same material again so that, again, they are reviewing it, and helping the younger children to learn. It also, I think, makes things so much more approachable. When a child sees another child who's just a little bit older than them working on something, it is such a different experience than when they are seeing that their parent can do it. They say, okay, this kid's only a year older than me and has grasped it, so I probably could too. Versus when they see a parent doing it, they go, oh, well, they've got you know, 20, 30 years on me. So of course, this is too hard for me. It's just a completely different perspective. I think there's just so much value in mixing the ages. And the last thing you should consider doing is if you find that there's an area where you feel particularly stressed or like you are ill-equipped to teach a subject, it's worth considering figuring out if there's a way you can delegate that or perhaps hire someone who can do that. So there's so many resources out there. If math isn't your strong point, you can use all sorts of online programs to teach math. So I, for example, I don't feel comfortable teaching my son how to play piano. He wants to learn how to play piano. And even though I play, I have no experience in teaching that. There's so much more that goes into teaching how to play a musical instrument than in simply knowing how to play it. So it's something I feel really good about outsourcing and delegating and having someone else do. And it can be the same for any subject. It doesn't just have to be an extracurricular. So feel like that's an option. Keep it at the back of your mind. And if you find that you're hitting a struggle point with a particular subject, just know that we don't have to be supermom. We don't have to do everything ourselves. So I think that really covers stuff for the older ages. Now, what do you do if you have babies or a toddler and you've got all of those younger ages mixed in the batch too? I just want to say that when you have a lot of babies and toddlers at once, things can get a little loud. So one of the first things I like to do is make sure that my kids who need to have a quiet workspace have access to a place where they can work and focus that's not going to be a chaotic sensory overload situation but the second thing and i think this is what is really challenging for us is figuring out how to find that time for lessons where we are not really having to tend to our little kids needs and so for this there's there's a couple tricks you can do the first one is to make sure you have a really good baby proofed space for the younger kids If you have one room, even if it's just one room in your house, that you can make sure that they are truly going to be safe in, it makes such a difference because they can be set up and you can teach your kids how to play independently, but it's a process, a little bit at a time of teaching them and setting up age appropriate activities that hold their attention and keep them focused. So having your baby proof space where they can be happy. And knowing the rhythm of their day, when are those windows? Because right we've taken this time to figure out how to reduce the number of lessons that we are actively giving to make sure that we are going to be able to squeeze it into those golden windows, whether that's nap time, whether your kid is um, the kind of kid who just has a really happy hour in the morning where they play really, really well. you want to know that and take advantage of it. The other thing you can do is find ways to include the younger kids. so, that can be things like even just making use of the high chair. Kids love to be at the table with their older siblings. If they see everyone else is there doing schoolwork, they can come. You can set them down with something like Play-Doh or um, what do you call it? A doodle pad, you know, the magnetic ones that are, um, they don't make a mess, but they can draw and practice and do all sorts of things. Kids love sensory play. And I'm not talking about things that make a huge mess, but just little things like if you give them two cups with water and teach them how to pour water back and forth between those two cups, all of these exercises can be so fascinating and hold their attention for a long time. And they're not lonely. They feel included. They're actually building their own skill of learning to focus as you set out these activities. It's going to help them later on. The other thing you can do is if you've got some budding readers in your homeschool, you can make part of their school be to read out loud to their younger siblings for like 20 minutes. And first of all, it's great for the littler kids. And second, it's great for the older kids to practice and build their confidence because they know their younger siblings aren't going to judge them. It just feels very comforting and they can grow in their confidence, but also they feel like they're contributing. It's just a really great way to reinforce that what they're learning is valuable and helpful. And I just wanna say to wrap up here that one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is just how flexible it can be, how we can make things so different for every family and every child to meet their unique needs. That's something they can't get in any other schooling context. They can't have that customization. And there are no rules, right? You can figure out what works. You can figure out when they want to do school. It can be different. Some kids are morning kids. Some kids are afternoon kids. Some kids might do really well doing their work right before bed. It just depends on their personality. I've got one kid who likes to wake up and get his work done. And I've got another who's not really hitting her stride until mid-afternoon. When you've got really clear expectations for when you are available to give lessons and what independent work they're expected to do each day, it can make things go so smoothly. So just to recap here, the first thing to do is to figure out when you're scheduling lessons, when you're available for questions, and what is going to be everybody's independent work. The second thing is to automate whatever you can automate for that independent work. And make it very clear what expectations you have for that independent work. The third thing is to delegate when things are a true weakness. Fourth, combine subjects wherever you can. Fifth, if you have babies, baby proof. Make use of the high chair and incorporate the older kids into loving and reading to these children. So I hope this has been helpful today and that your homeschool year gets off to a great start. And if you're looking for help to build your intentional routines and design your days on purpose, head to truepresence.life slash course. I'd love to work with you this year and make it your smoothest school year ever.